Idla. And I'm Jasmine. And, and we're, we're your frightened sisters. sisters. We did it right. <laughs> yeah, finally. Only what, like six times in six episodes? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> we're, we're really keeping track here. I'm doing great. Um, so today we're recording at my house for a change. I know, weird. Oh, jeez. And so if you hear a little bell going, that's my cat. <laughs> She's, She's jumping everywhere. Yes. She's one of the sisters today. She is. She wants to join in. Yes. She's, and we're reclining on a couch. This is a nice setup. Though. I know. She's. We are living here. Okay, so all of us going to come up <laughs> no, and sniff no, no. the mic? No, no, no. We're not going to sniff the microphone, though. You're not actually part of this podcast. <laughs> we were kidding when we said that. <laughs> She's like, what you said? It's exclusively two people right now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's humans only. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we have a rule. And on Wednesdays, we wear pink. You're just not invited. <laughs> you can't sit with us. <laughs> Sorry, mean girl references. Yes. <laughs> this is how we're starting the podcast. So, how right? are you doing? <laughs> right? I'm doing pretty well. Today's been a pretty chill day. You've got to hang out with me today. Yes, and, I did. Um, my husband's out of the house because he's having a guy's day with Jazz's fiance. Yeah, he's uh, he's at my house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why we're not recording there. Yeah. We got... She got kicked out, so she's I here. Did. Yeah. <laughs> she got kicked out by my fiance. <laughs> so I go here. I couch surf. Yes. <laughs> When that happens. Right. How are you doing? I'm all right. I feel out of my elements. I'm not used to recording here. I know. It feels it, super weird. It feels weird. Like, I feel like it's picking us up here because we're also closer to the mic, so I'm sorry. We're uh, reclining on the couch as far as we can. I know. <laughs> Without being, like, far, far away. Right. <laughs> so I'm sorry if we sound very loud today. Yes. Very different. We're trying. <laughs> this is a very makeshift studio today. I know. My laugh is, like, coming off in the red, so I'm trying not to laugh. Don't do your screech laugh again, though. That was ear piercing. <laughs> you did that earlier? That hurt. <laughs> and we got to see our friend Amber today. Hi, Amber. We hey, love you. Shout out. <laughs> Podcast shout out. Right. Uh, so we've had just a girls' day. It's been pretty fun. Yeah, for the most part, we did. Yeah. So for my my sons, but you know, eh, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> They're fine. They're just there. Yes. They're honorary sisters today. They are. Well, they're upstairs now. Yeah. So. They don't need to hear this. No, they don't need to hear about this case. Ooh, I don't even want to hear about this case. I know. You you don't want to hear about this case. I mean, you traumatized but... me last week, so yeah. we're back again. I know. And all my cases involve torture, but, you know, afterwards, we after this case, we do have a little bit of announcement about the torture cases. Yes. Because, yeah. <laughs> there will be. Yeah. We need a break. From torture. <laughs> yes. That's, spoiler alert. We're taking a break after this. But not, not a, a podcast. No. Not a podcast break, but a break from torture, which we'll talk about at the what end. we're going to do at the end. Yes. So. Let's get through torture first. Then we'll talk about that yes. stuff. <laughs> okay. So. Today's case is about the tragic murders of the Clutter family, a truly all-American family killed way too soon. This is going to be intense. Okay. Yeah. And buckle up. You've been talking about this like very vaguely in bits and pieces and I'm just nervous. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's a sad one. It's, Great. It's a case that makes you really like want to lock your doors. I don't even know if my front door is locked right now. Don't say that. <laughs> I am sleeping on your couch tonight. Don't I will log in before we go to bed. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sleeping by a window tonight. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Great, I'm not sleeping tonight, everyone. You, you can take my bed, I'll sleep on your <laughs> I'm just not going to sleep tonight. It's fine. Right? 
Okay, so the Clutters were a farming family of six, and they lived in a large 14-bedroom home with slightly over 640 acres of land. Jeez. Yeah. They could afford this land because Herb Clutter made his good money. Made, made good money. I can't talk. Made, <laughs> right. He made good money. We all know this by now, listening to my episodes. <laughs> I can't speak, so. No, it's, it's not English. No. But he made good money, and he made his fortune using new technology to grow wheat. He had even been interviewed by the New York Times. Wow. He was no. special. He was. <laughs> and he had so. a lot of property, too. That would have been so nice. I know. It's probably why they interviewed him. They're like, oh, shit, this guy's like. <laughs> He's making, loaded. I know. <laughs> He's making green. <laughs> Quite literally. <You> know? <laughs> On a farm. Right. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's all like. <laughs> it's okay. I catch all the dad jokes. It's fine. <laughs> it's my forte. Right. Herb Clutter was an active member of the Methodist Church and was described as being salt of the earth. At the time of the, at this case, the population of their hometown in Holcomb, Kansas, was less than 300. Holcomb? Holcomb. Holcomb. Oh. It's H-O-L-C-O-M-B. I've never heard of that place. Yeah. Maybe I'm just uncultured. <laughs> I think it's like a small, it's like a smaller town. So maybe it's not well. Maybe. Of. I've never heard of that. Um, but because of the small population, chances are every family knew each other. Yes. The Clutters were considered an upstanding family. The problem, however, with being part of a small town is that everybody knew everyone's business. Oh my God. Yes. So this meant the, cl- the Clutters wealth was very well known around the town. I will say, I'm from a very small town, and that is 100% true. Everybody knew everything about me, even when I didn't know about myself. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Then that's... They're very nosy people in small towns. Yeah. It's insane. Even my fiance is from a small town, and he's... Same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone knows everything. (laughs) I grew up in a small town, too, but not as, like, small town as you guys grew up in. Yeah. No, we're, like, middle of nowhere. Yeah. (laughs) I have to explain to people where my hometown is. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, um, yeah, no. Yeah. It's, everybody knows everything. It's yeah. very nosy. Herbert was born on, in 1911, and his wife, Bonnie, was born in 1914. They were married December 2nd, 1934. Oh, and Christmas together, wedding. I know. And, and together they had four children. Oh, my God, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I, had two, I have two, and I'm... I have I'm zero. Done. <laughs> I'm done. After two. <laughs> I mean, you have two fur babies, and they're I, yeah, they're very much um, a handful. Yeah, they're fun. She has a the cats are either like teenagers or toddlers, and Jess has both. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> they are just both. Yes, her black cat is a very much teen angst, and mm-hmm. her orange tabby is very much needy, the needy toddler. Toddler, yeah, can never leave us alone. Wakes up at five a.m. <laughs> yes, always has to be fed. Yes, right on time. Yeah. <laughs> Can't miss that feeding. Nah. <laughs> oh my god, it's automatic feeders though. So you know, yeah. I don't feed him, and he still thinks I do. Yeah, he still comes up to me thinking thinks, I'm the one that does he it. He thinks you're magical. I just and, I, and just, boom, it's like wiggle your nose like Andy Wish, <laughs> and boom, he's fed exactly. God. Two of their children were adults and living outside of the home. Ivana, who was 23 and living in Nebraska with her husband. And Beverly, who was 21 and studying nursing in Kansas City. The two children living at home were 16 year old Nancy and 15 year old Kenyon. Okay, I like the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had picked good names. They did. Deanna Edwards, a niece of Herbert and Bonnie Clutter, said in a, in a documentary that I watched quote, 
one thing I always think of is just that feeling of safety, you know, being in Uncle Herbert's house or in his company. You felt secure. You felt as though you were in good hands, end quote. Oh, I, I love that. Yeah. Listening to, her, listening to her talk in the documentary, you really get the sense that the clutters were truly just amazing down-to-earth people. That's so cool. Yeah, you really just you felt her love for them and just how much love that they, like, like gave out into the world. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you felt that listening yeah. to her talk. That's really cool. Yeah. I feel like it's going to get really sad. Yeah. This is too happy so far. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about 33-year-old Richard Hickok. I don't want to. <laughs> Can no, we no. just not? <laughs> yeah. In the summer of 1950, Hickok was working with his dad at his dad's, he was working with his dad at his dad's body and fender shop when his dad sent him out to get car parts. However, water on the highway caused him to lose control over the car. He was ejected from the car and landed on his face in a ditch of water. Oh, my God. Yeah. He suffered a head injury. And from that point on, his eyes weren't perfectly aligned anymore. This is why his eyes look a little bit off if you look at him in pictures. Mm-hmm. You can kind of tell there's something like not lining up yeah. quite right. And that's why. After his accident is when his family noticed a change in his personality. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm assuming he's probably so, like a okay guy before. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like he was a really good kid before, and then all of a sudden, like this happened, and everything kind of changed, like That's drastically. Wild that that yeah. can happen. Yeah. Wow. Um, in 1959, he would be, and you know, I I, I would say something, but I'm going to give something. I'm not going to. What was that? Stop. That was great. I know. This is you know. Your, you play too many Sims, I think. I do. Maybe I, that's your issue. I play Sims a we lot. We need an intervention. Guys. We do. <laughs> a Sim. It's you're starting to speak Simlish. Is that what it's called? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so. Oh no. That's how you say hi in Simlish, by the way, guys. Oh, great. So, you know. Sim word of the day with Eva. <laughs> like if you go on the Sim forms online too, the people will like when says saying K to the group, they'll say so so. Oh no. I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> that's not my world. <laughs> Oh, I, I think you play too many Sims. I do. That's why you can't speak English. You know what? Maybe that's it. I'm playing with my mom all the time. It's probably Sims. <laughs> Sims' fault. <laughs> you know. <sighs> anyway, and I feel like when I talk, it's not like I have a lisp. But I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> In 1959, he would be just 300. If talking about Richard Hickok's cell, he would be just 300 mm-hmm. miles away from the Clutter family in a cell in Kansas State Prison for theft. His cellmate, Floyd Wells, used to work for the Clutters as a farmhand. He told Hickok about how rich the family was. Oh, no. Telling him the family had a safe with 10000 in it, he would, which would be around 90000 today. Are you serious? Yeah. Hickok was enticed by this and began planning to rob the family. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah it's another one where, like, they were cellmates, and then they're like, let's do this together. Well, he didn't rob with Floyd Wells. Okay. Yeah. That's good. But like still they're still conspiring together, yeah, exactly. you know. Yeah. Talking about it in a yeah. cell, being like, you should do this. Yeah. Exactly. Happened in the last case too. Yeah. Where they were like conspiring together. Yeah. <sighs> Stop playing bad soulmate. I know, right? Soulmates is a bad thing, apparently. I know. <laughs> this is not... People should not like have a soulmate because this shit happens. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> I guess they can still talk through the bar. Whatever. They can still talk in the bars. And also like, you know, being that alone all the time would probably not be good for you. That's true, yeah. Your psych would just go yeah. Shit. But this is hasn't 
landed very well for us so far no, in yeah. these cases. <laughs> right. Always starts as a cellmate. Exactly. Always a cellmate. And then Hickok began writing a letter to his former cellmate. Oh no, more cellmates. <laughs> Perry Smith. The 36-year-old had recently been released from prison after escaping another prison for Cartha. Oh my god. Smith apparently had a rough upbringing. He grew up in a home with a lot of abuse, witnessing his mother, who was always drunk, being beaten by his dad, and then later died of an alcohol overdose. And his brother committed suicide. That's sad. Yeah. While in prison together, Smith and Smith told Hickok that he had killed a black man by clubbing him to death. But it's possible he developed the story to make himself seem tougher in prison oh, so that people would leave him alone. That makes sense. Yeah. But Hickok, of course, believed him and they bonded over this. Ew. That's that's a, weird that thing was a to bonding bond over. I know. Let's not bond over that. No. Like we said, like, I think like last time we bonded over pandas. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because the last people bonded over torture. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this bonding thing everyone's having? I know. Not my experience. We find her very innocent things compared to these people. No kidding. I want to clarify that these two don't deserve a backstory and their hardships don't have any, or their hardships don't excuse what they later do, but I just wanted to give some context into who they are because it does come up later. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. So everyone has, you know, something yeah. in their past. Does not mean it's okay to do bad things in mm-hmm. your present. Yeah. But. Yeah. Hickok asked for Smith's help with the robbery. When Hickok was released in early November 1959, the two got together and started planning to rob the Clutter family. Apparently, they wanted the money to go buy a boat so they can go deep sea fishing. You could just go rent a boat. I know. Do they know that? Apparently not. Apparently they're dumb. My fiance is super into like fishing and like especially ocean fishing. You can just go rent a boat. Yeah. Like it's a thing. They're dumb. Okay. Because they're criminals. That's true. <laughs> they didn't want to do it the easy way. They wanted yeah. to do the most complicated way. Because they want to probably own, yeah. own a boat. Was the thing. Yeah. True. It's like own a super nice boat. But live on the ocean. But that's all they wanted to do with their money. They'll just buy a boat for deep sea fishing. That's all I could find that they wanted to do. But I it. Yeah. Normally people have bigger aspirations than that. For like, real. Bigger aspirations. Yeah. For real. It's <laughs> ridiculous. I get deep sea fishing might be fun. But come on. Yeah. That's a lot of money just for a boat. Yeah. For real. On November 14th, they put their plan into action. They collected what they considered necessary items for the robbery, such as gloves, a flashlight, a knife, and a shotgun. That's very intense yeah. for necessary items, quote unquote. Yeah. It's a very intense necessary items. Yeah, I realize I don't see my air quotes over necessary items, but I <laughs> That's put That's why air- I put quote. <laughs> yeah, I quote air necessary items. This is why, you know, a camera could be good. But we also just don't want to like do our hair. You know? No, yeah. I want to look messy and tired. On I'm the literally podcast. in my pajamas, guys. <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> this is a comfy, cozy podcast. Yes. <laughs> comfy co- oh, we should have called it comfy, cozy, comfy, cozy crime. It's too late. We can't <laughs> come up with another name. <laughs> we're not doing a rebrand already. I know. <laughs> no, we're gonna keep the name, guys. Sorry. <laughs> We made our Patreon around this name. I can't go back. (laughs) I made the artwork. I can't make another one. They drove they drove their black Chevrolet nineteen forty nine to the Okay, that was the sentence. Was it a sentence? (laughs) I was trying to figure that out. (laughs) 
They then drove their black 1949 Chevrolet to the clutter home just outside of Holcomb, Kansas. God. Woo! I know. I did it. I made it through. Gold star. I know. <laughs> I'm not going to edit any of this out, guys, because you know what? This is real. This is me. This is this is how it goes. Yes. <laughs> and I just don't care. that You know what? You guys know me by now. I cannot. I cannot with the English. She is known for not speaking English no. properly. I speak her language, but you guys probably don't speak her language. No. You will eventually <laughs> stick with us. You'll get there. Yes. It's been like three years for me. I have yes. understood. Okay. Sorry, I keep getting off track. No, you're good. They arrived at the house between 12 and 1 a.m. as everyone inside was sleeping. That's rude. And <laughs> they entered the house through the unlocked office door. What? No. Don't Lock keep your doors, guys. No kidding. Why do people. <laughs> Especially people in the middle of nowhere, they leave their doors unlocked. I know. People, it drives me insane. People have a false uh, sense of security. And, like, lock your door. I don't care if you're in the middle of the field. Lock your door. You know. Like, people, like, <laughs> talk about houses in the middle of, like, nowhere like this. Like, it's in the middle of nowhere. No one can even hear you scream. They talk about that like it's a good thing. That's not a good thing. And that's terrifying to me. Yeah. Like, I would want my neighbors to hear me scream. Yeah. <laughs> I want someone to be able to like, hear me. Like, I had, like, a, a corker, like years ago say that and I'm like she's like yeah like my husband loves his house like no one can even hear you scream like it's so isolated I'm like um it sounds more like a sex dungeon <laughs> so that's where my mind went when you said husband and scream that's where my mind went yeah not not the other way right yeah <laughs> but true. the other way too yes see my mind's always on torture because I just in, in, <laughs> instantly thought of someone being tortured but she, she Jasmine's right to sex so we know what our brave lengths go <laughs> okay I'm sorry I live with like a pervert <laughs> I know. We both and do, I, technically, but I know. you just watch a lot of true crime. I do, yeah. We're married to men. <laughs> I know. Once entering the house, they turned their flashlights on and began looking around. But when they couldn't find the safe, they woke Herb Clutter. They asked him about the money, but Mr. Clutter informed them that there wasn't any money in the house. However, Hickok didn't believe him. Of course not. Hickok kept insisting that the money was around somewhere and that Mr. Clutter was lying. It turned out that Hickok had been misled by his former cellmate in regards to the safe. So was, the cellmate was lying. Oh my god. Of course yeah. he was. He was wanting to get him in trouble. Yeah. Or he just actually thought maybe. Yeah. Or he was just trying to like brag like I work for this family with all this money. Maybe. Maybe yeah. Kind of feels like that. Yeah. Kind of guy. Yeah. Herb Clutter never even paid his employees with cash. He always used checks. So... Yeah. So it's all in a bank account. Yeah. Like a smart person. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like a smart man. Yes. Normally don't keep like $10,000 in just a safe in your home. Not yeah. very smart. Yeah. Especially like, cause today that'd be like 90,000. That'd be like a shit ton That's of money. That's a lot. That's yeah. a big safe. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn. When they couldn't get any information out of Mr. Clutter, Smith cut the phone lines. Oh God. He then pointed upstairs asking who was up there. Mr. Clutter said his wife and children were up there. They then woke up Mrs. Clutter. Herbert tried to assure his wife that everything was going to be okay. Oh, I know. This to me speaks greatly of his character because he must have been so scared, but he was still comforting his wife, you know? And, yeah. and he must have, like, he, he didn't know that everything was going to be okay. And he probably no. felt that in his bones. And, like, he, you know, just just comforting his wife he like just, that. Yeah. He just he seemed like such a good husband, such a good man. I don't know. He just, just wanted everyone to feel still safe, even though they weren't safe. Yeah. Hickok stole a few dollars from her purse. Then they went to Kenyon's room and woke him up. They then went to Nancy's room, who was already awake. She asked the two men what they wanted. She sounds like she's a little bit badass. 
They told her it was none of her business. Um, I'm sorry, but if you walk into someone's room in the middle of the night, it is their absolute business why you're there. Yeah, (laughs) You woke them up from a great sleep is definitely their business. For real. You wake me up from something, it's my business now. (laughs) I don't give a shit. (laughs) Like, you wake me up by sneezing. I don't need to know why the fuck you're sick. Are you sick? If you have allergies, what's going on? I have to know now. (laughs) You do not wake me up because I don't fall asleep easily. No. If I'm asleep, do not wake me up. No. <laughs> I just like how she's already She's like, what do you want? I know. <sighs> Nancy seems like such a good girl. I love her. Yeah. From just that, I love her. You know. <laughs> they put all four family members in the bathroom and proceeded to search the entire house. However, they could only find around $50, which would be around 500 today. Yeah, they could rent a boat for that. Right? You know. No, they not enough for them, right? Of course not. They also found a pair of binoculars and a transistor transistor radio you know what that is i don't think so see i didn't know what that was it's an old-timey radio that uses transistor-based circuitry oh still don't really know what that means i don't either okay but i, I you it. said that like i was supposed to know what i that know meant. it's i don't you know what let us know guys because we don't we should know this I but we weren't know. born in the 1900s whenever or, this or, yeah 1911 we weren't born around 1911 no definitely not yeah i'm not that old no no, I have no idea what that means. No. What any of those words meant? No idea. You know, I don't either. But it looks like I looked up pictures of it. it looks like a really old, old school radio. <laughs> I just like that you told me that. Like <laughs> that would make me know what that is. I was like, hoping was you know because you're smart. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I know so much about radios. <laughs> I have a lot of knowledge about random radios right. from the 1911. <laughs> you, yeah, you should. Why don't you? <laughs> I'm into record players and vinyl players, but not. Like radios. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Once they had all they could find, they, they, you're good. <laughs> they still believe they still believe Mr. Clutter was lying about having stored cash. So they decided to separate all four family members. Oh my god. What's that gonna do? Well, they don't have cash. Yeah. They took Mrs. Clutter back to her bedroom and tied her up. Then they put Nancy back in her bedroom and tied her up as well. Then they took Kenyon and Herb downstairs to the cellar and put them in separate rooms. They continued to ask Herb where the money was, and and he had kept telling them that he didn't have any stashed cash and that if he had any, he would have handed it over. Which, yeah. you know, like, he, he would have for his family. Yeah, he would have to save his family. Yeah. Like, and they were just dumb as fuck. He seems like a very honest man. Yeah. And I don't think he'd be hiding it from them. No. At this rate. Especially, like, Especially. the levels that they're going to. Yeah. Just to get this cash. Yeah. <laughs> this is when they officially decided to execute the family in cold blood. Why? That's not going to get you cash. No. Just, what's the point? Yeah. Um. So, I say officially because I think deep down, that was their end goal. Yeah. I mean, they came to the house with a knife and a fucking shotgun. Yeah. You don't just rob someone casually with a shotgun. Yeah. Um, But apparently they decided to kill them to avoid further imprisonment. Um, guys? I know. Pretty sure that gets you in worse trouble. I know. Murdering four people. It's like the last guy who, like, a status of an employee to avoid a shoplifting charge. It's (laughs) like, um, uh, let's let's stop and think our actions through. Yeah. My God. I can't. You're just getting a worse charge now. Yeah. I a said life sentence. Yeah. <laughs> I said it's like people who killed their spouse to avoid divorce. Yeah. It's just stupid. It is. 
Like, I don't. It's a lot worse on your record. I know. I don't understand that. (laughs) Divorce doesn't look bad. Killing someone does. Yes. (laughs) People get divorced for many reasons. Like, if I wasn't married and was dating, divorce wouldn't be a deal breaker, but murder would be. Yeah. That's a big red flag. (laughs) Yeah. Why are you walking the streets? Yeah. (laughs) You have murdered. Yes. Like, nah. So you've been divorced now? Okay. You kill- oh, you killed someone. Oh, okay. You know, um, I, oh yeah, I had to be somewhere. That's right. That's right. Sorry. I completely forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I have to pick up my aunt, someone at the airport. I got to go. I totally forgot about her. I just left her there. <laughs> She's stranded. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they debated over who would start it. This, and Smith was apparently so frustrated at the situation that he took the knife and Here's a trigger warning for the murders, so skip forward if you need to. I can't. I know. He shoved the knife into her clutter's throat. Oh. He would later say it was almost like he was stabbing Hickok. So what? He was, so he was frustrated with Hickok, so he stabbed Mr. Clutter, and it like it was he was like imagining he was stabbing Hickok. That's so messed up. It is, yeah. Oh my like, god. Just stab Hickok. Yeah, no kidding. That'd be the better option, honestly. Yeah. Herb Clutter started making gurgling noises. Oh, God. Smith then handed the knife to Hickok, saying it was his turn. Then Hickok Uh. stabbed Herb again in in his throat. Herb was still gurgling, so Smith said that the man was suffering, raised a shotgun, and shot him in the head. Are you serious? Yeah. I can't imagine the suffering Herb went through in the end and what the rest of the family must have felt in that moment. No kidding. Hearing the gunshot, you have to think none of them knew who had got shot and the horror they must have felt. Mm-hmm. It would have been beyond terrifying. It would have been like just not knowing which, like who it was, who was like maybe like and maybe having a little bit of hope that maybe someone got the gun away. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like just like not knowing, just sitting there tied up and like wondering. That's yeah, terrifying. Yeah, after they shot Herb. They went to Kenyon and shot him in the head as well. Oh my god. Smith then went upstairs and shot Nancy and then shot her mom, Bonnie. Smith later said that he felt nothing for killing the family. He apparently also commented that he was disgusted with Hickok's attitude. That's what he's disgusted by? Yeah. Not what he just did? Yeah. That is wild to me. Like, he is the one that did the killings from what I read. Yeah. Not saying Hickok was innocent because he was the whole reason that they were there. But how the fuck are you going to be discussed with anyone when you're the one killing people? Like literally killing four people. Yeah. And innocent ass people. And then teenagers too. Like these young, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. can't, then not to say like, cause the parents were young too. Yeah. But just like, I can't just to be disgusted by someone's attitude problem. Yeah. And all because, because the thing was they were fighting over who wanted to start it because Hickok didn't want to be the one to start it. Yeah. He didn't actually want to kill the family. Mm hmm. And you get that sense later on that he, like, he, he was not innocent. Yeah. But you get the sense, and he could have stopped it. He, he could definitely have, could have. <laughs> but he didn't want to do any part of the killing. Yeah. It sounds like to me. So he's probably having an attitude about actually doing the killing. Yeah. So he's having, so he's pissed off that, like, we're here for a reason. So I think Smith went to the house in general to, like, get money and kill. Yeah. He probably just wanted to kill. That was probably his So I think that thing. was his end game from the absolute start. Yeah. Just didn't tell Hickok about that. Yeah. <sighs> hours later, the bodies would be found by two of Nancy's friends. Oh, no. Susan Kidwell and Nancy Ewalt. Nancy Ewalt talks about finding her friend. 
She said she thought her friend was sleeping, so she shook her, but then noticed the blood on the wall. That image must just stick with her. That's so dark. That's so sad. I know. The police were then called from a neighbor's house, because remember that the phone lines were cut. Yeah. The sheriff and officers from Garden City arrived around 10 a.m. to investigate the horrific scene inside the farmhouse. When officers arrived, Herbert William Clutter, who was just 48, laid sprawled on a mattress in the basement, still in his pajamas. His throat was slashed with a fishing knife and a 12-gauge shotgun charge fired to his head. That's not just, like, an innocent, like, killing. No. That felt very personal killing. Yeah. Using a knife. And it sounds like all of them were shot in very close range, too. It was a shotgun. Yeah. That's horrific. His hands were bound and his mouth was taped shut. On a couch in an adjoining room was 15-year-old Kenyon Neal Clutter, bound, gagged, and shot in the head. In a separate upstairs bedroom were the bodies of 16-year-old Nancy May Clutter and 45-year-old Bonnie May Clutter. Nancy had been bound, Bonnie bound and gagged. Oh, my God. And both had been shot in the head. That's so sad. Yeah. I can't imagine walking in on this horrific scene, especially the teenagers who had their whole lives ahead of them. So senseless and awful. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... Uh... Just and just for, heart. like, no reason to. Like, there was no money there. No. They even raided the whole house before doing this. Like, they yeah. knew. Yeah. There was no money there. Yeah. Like, they just wanted to kill these people. Yeah. Which is just so fucked. They could have taken that, what was it, $50, yeah. which was $500 today. Yeah. And fled somewhere. You yeah. know, got to freaking Mexico. Like, I go don't rob care. a bank. You know. have better luck doing that. I know, right? Like, be a smart th- criminal if you're going to be a criminal. For I know. fuck's sake. Right, yeah. <laughs> This is just so fucked up and so sad. They didn't have any money, like you said. So, like, I just don't understand, like... Like, they knew that they had no money. Yeah. They already raided the house. Yeah. If they didn't find it, it obviously isn't there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Garden City Police Department Chief Mitchell Geyser... Geisler, sorry. (laughs) Was one of the first officers to arrive on the scene. Accompanying him was Assistant Chief Rich Rolander. Rolander was an expert photographer and used his skills to photograph the crime scene. Although technology wasn't nearly at the level it is today. Mm-hmm. It was through Rolander's photographs under ultraviolet light that a bloody footprint was discovered. Wow. Yeah. This would later be determined to be Smith's footprint. Dang. This footprint was not visible to the naked eye. And he caught that with the camera. Wild. Yeah. He is a great photographer. <laughs> right? They knew it had been left by the killer because all the victims were barefoot at the time of their murders. However, the bookprint was discovered. The bookprint they discovered was a, a common one. Mm-hmm. Um, so without more evidence, there was little they could do with the new information. Yeah. Still, though, the police kept this piece of evidence out of the news for potential use later in the case. A photographer was also taken, a, a photograph is also taken of the tire tracks left by the killers. Okay. So they had good pictures, but they left stuff out of the media. And it was good that they did because if Hickok and Smith have caught wind of this, they could have gotten rid of the boot. Yeah. They would have thrown away the boots, got new tires. Yeah. Boom. Done. So mm-hmm. they were smart to keep the stuff out of the media. Yeah, you definitely keep that stuff out because yeah. people easily change that stuff. Yeah. Which is good to me that because 
I don't think like because for me when I think of like old timey cases, you think that they put everything in mm-hmm. because like you hear like nowadays we have serial killers and we don't even know yeah because they're it's out of the media but like in the 70s and stuff we had everything was like kind of yeah i mean as far as we knew everything was out in the open <laughs> we weren't there but yeah <laughs> true from what we can tell it kind of feel, felt like yeah. everything was always out yeah like serial killers were a big thing yeah and this was like then. in 1959 so yeah maybe just very smart police officers yeah it sounds very like good. they were it sounds <laughs> like they were and again small towns so they probably like were close with them too probably um Soon the house filled with more police. The Kansas City Bureau... Oh, this is a hard word for me to say. Oh, no. The Kansas City Bureau of Investigation... Close. I said it. Yes. Yes. Very close. How, how do you say it? I don't want to even try. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to call them the KBI from now on. There you go. I'm going to call do them the KBI. There was also doctors, a minister, as well as reporters with their photographers. Police initially thought it was someone local that perhaps knew the Clutter family because of how brutal the case was. Yeah, it felt personal. The yeah. knife yeah. feels personal. It does. And, like, shooting someone in such close range, yeah. too. It's, like, it's super personal. Yeah, and because I know it was close range for at least her Clutter because of something that Smith says later on. Okay. And it's, it's, it's fucked gone. up. Okay. Um, they said that... When significant items like that go, when insignificant items like that go missing, the motive isn't usually robbery. So they believe someone else brought them to the. So they believe something else brought them to the house. God you damn did it! A sentence. I did <laughs> for making it through. I know. <laughs> Police also took into consideration the position of the bodies. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Clutter was shot in the back of the head, while the other members were looking directly at the killer when shot. That's so sad. I know. Why would you do that? Yeah. I can't even... Yeah. Oh, my God. They first looked at Nancy's boyfriend, but soon discovered he had nothing to do with the murders. But just because he was questioned, people assumed he had something to do with it. That's sad. Yeah. And because of this, people treated him differently. He actually had to transfer schools. Are you serious? Yeah, because of how badly he was treated. Do people not know that you can be questioned by the police even if you're not a suspect? I know. Like, I know in that case he kind of was, but, like, he was close to the family, obviously. Yeah, and like, gonna, they had to question people who were close first. Yeah. They and just he have was to get dating the whole story. Nancy. Exactly. So, you know. And the sound of this family, they sounded like they were super close and, like, loving. So I'm sure they were close with him, too. Yeah. Like, it's just awful. Just because you're questioned by the police doesn't mean you're a suspect all the time. No. Like, they just think to get the story. And it sounds like he was a suspect for, like, a second. Yeah. Literally, probably everyone that was close with them was a suspect at one point. Yeah, because That's they assumed goes. someone knew them because of how personal this was. Yeah. That's normally how it goes with these cases. Yeah. <laughs> they suspect the closest people first. Yeah. Which I'm sure when the, they actually, like, found who killed the, the Clutter family, they were, like, they felt like shit. But yeah. too late in them. Yeah. I mean, they also have to do their job thoroughly, like... No, I meant, like, the people oh, who, the pe- yeah, the the people people who treated him like crap. I thought you meant the police. I was like, no, they were fine. Yeah, no, the police did their job. They, For once, they did their job yeah, correctly. No. Yeah, like, you don't always hear about them doing good in these cases, yeah. but they did good in this case, yes. I believe. Um, this murder changed how people in the town viewed their safety, though. Yeah. And people started locking their doors. Oh, my God, finally. The hardware stores even sold out of locks after this happened. People didn't have locks on their doors, just no. freeballing the yeah. knob. Oh yes. my god, what's wrong with people? I know. I know. I know. It's kind of funny. Like, it's it's fixed now, so no one come for us. But my grandparents' house, 
had a door that they couldn't get a lock for. Why? Because they, <laughs> they put the door on wrong. So it made it so they couldn't lock it. So they had like a wooden thing that they just like. <laughs> oh my God. That's most hillbilly thing. I know. Just <laughs> gonna put this wood plank in front of the door. That'll stop people. I know. It's been fixed now, guys. <laughs> like, how is it fixing the door? That's how we'll fix it. I know. A wood plank. They put the door on like backwards or some shit. Oh my God. So like the mail slot didn't even open properly. Like it opened. Like, you could only open it on the inside. They didn't want to fix this seemingly big problem. They just left it like that for Dude. a long time. I didn't even know until after my grandma passed and we had like, um, we were selling the house. We we're getting uh-huh. it all ready. And just, yeah. Like you guys finally noticed. Well, like my mom noticed for a while. I didn't, cause I never played with the mail slot. Yeah. So well, <laughs> she like, showed not? me, and she showed me, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it's wild. <sighs> well, while friends toured the property, making a list of what was missing, they realized that all of Bonnie's jewelry was still in the house and that the home hadn't been ransacked. The transistor, the transistor radio was also noted as missing, but with no items of real value missing, the case stalled. Why wouldn't they take the jewelry? That, you can sell that for I know. money. They were dumb as fuck. Like, it doesn't just have to be cash. Like, no. you can sell things and make money. Yeah. Not to, like, give thieves ideas, but, like, oh, my God. It's right. very common knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> After the funeral, other family members went through the through the belongings of the family so that the older clutter children wouldn't have to. Their cousins said that it felt like an invasion of privacy. Yeah. I just... I can't imagine what the older siblings went through. Yeah. Can you imagine getting that phone call? Like, no. I don't even want to imagine that. Just, like, hearing that your whole family has been slaughtered like that. Like, yeah, like in just, your family home. Just Yeah. I wouldn't be able to go through the belongings. I couldn't mentally handle it. No, I don't think I could ever go back to the house. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I could ever go back. No. That's just so... That's a lot. Yeah. To even think about. <laughs> um, sorry. The family had been looking forward to several days at the Clutter home for Thanksgiving. Oh, no. The Clutters were going to be hosting a family reunion. The family had already received their invitations before the murders. Herbert was so excited for the reunion. They had all kinds of fun activities planned, such as games, hunting, horseback riding, and more. This would have been their first family gathering since Grandma Clutter died in 1954. That's so sad. No, the family didn't like to talk about the murders because it was just too painful for them. Yeah. And I just, you know, they, I mean, and Herbert was so excited for this. Yeah. And that's like know? a great Thanksgiving. I know. My God. Like, yeah, I just having the whole family and doing all this fun stuff. Like, yeah. they, and like everyone was looking forward to it already. Like, I didn't even put everything in there that they had planned. They had like, they had like scheduled naps planned for after Thanksgiving oh, dinner. Oh, I love that. I know. I, my <laughs> family needs that. They like had all this stuff, but they had it all like scheduled. They were like going to make the most of this time with their family. That's so cute. And now instead they have to go through their belongings and go through this house that is, I yeah. can't imagine... It's horrific. Had, I can't imagine it was fully cleaned up. Probably not. Yeah. There's probably still stuff on the walls. And yeah. Just the bodies gone. Yeah. I mean, they only could interview in the documentary. They only interviewed really like one family member. Mm-hmm. Because I don't 
it was probably too painful for anybody else to talk about. Yeah, I don't think anyone else wanted to. Yeah. Alvin Dewey of the of the KBI, <laughs> not saying that word, no. had become acquaintances with Herb over the years, and led the investigation with help from four other KBI investigators working under him. He also solicited the support of other government agencies to develop evidence and leads. His task force included a team of 18 constantly working the case. Damn, he was on it. He was ready to go. They were ready. Like, this was his friend. Like, he was ready to go. He wanted to get this solved. Yes. Get these fuckers behind bars. Yes. They interviewed anyone who had worked for the family and everyone who knew them. They spoke to school friends, teachers, handymen who had worked on the on the house, Bonnie's doctor and neighbors. Wow. Very intensive. Yes. And you know, this is another thing to me that I just am thinking of now is that they interviewed everyone that was around him. So why did they treat fucking um, the boyfriend with such shittiness? That's true. Why did they do that? Cause they literally were interviewing everybody. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. A reward of 1000 was for the information leading to the whereabouts of the killer or killers was set up. This would be about 10,000 today. Damn. Yeah. They were serious about this. And they were like a very well-loved family in the community. Yeah, like. I can tell. They, okay, this is this is how well-loved they were. The KBI only stopped briefly to attend the funeral for the four family members. Over 600 people attended the funeral at the Valley View Cemetery. 600. Over 600. I don't think there was that many people in that town. Were no, there? there was. Oh, it was a population of under three hundred, and because they lived in Holcomb, mm-hmm. and um, Holcomb, however you say it, <laughs> and that town I've never heard of. <laughs> I know they lived in H Kansas, <laughs> H Town. Um, say sorry, a song just popped in my head. No, nope, we're not singing. <laughs> we are talking about the case. Sorry, guys, <laughs> it's my brain. Um, and I lost my train of thought. You said that, you know, because there's over 600 people at the funeral, but only 300 people in the town. Yeah, only Garden City was the one that did the investigation and was there, the Garden City police. Mm -hmm. So they had, like, they had to have a few different towns, it seems like, all come together that knew this family and loved this family. Which is wild. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tells you how good people they probably were. That Mm -hmm. many people loved them. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. And, you know... In retrospect, back then, it could have been some people just curious about the case, and you know, unfortunately. Well, true, yeah. But, but 600 a but, lot, But 600, though. I feel like it was more that they were loved. Yeah. Um, despite this, this is, this was wild to me. Despite the severity of their facial injuries, the caskets were open. <gasps> with cotton covering uh-uh. their, they had cotton covering their faces to mask the damages, uh-uh. but still, but still. Uh-uh. No. I'm not even good with open casket funerals for, like, a non-brutal death like that. I can't even imagine. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Just knowing that that thin, head, that thin piece of cloth was what was covering the horrific view. Yeah. Uh-uh. Just do a closed casket. Or yeah. just no casket. You know, you could just not have them. Yeah. Just cremate <laughs> them. Just pictures. Yes. Cremate. <laughs> oh, my God. That's yeah horrifying. It wasn't until after Christmas that the news, that news from a colleague reached Alvin Dewey, Logan Sanford, the director of KBI in Topeka, called Dewey to tell him that Floyd Wells, a former prisoner at the Kansas State Prison, knew who the killers were and was willing to talk in 
turn for the reward money and early release from prison. Of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was worried he was going to be, like, implemented, you know, as, yeah. like, an accessory. Yeah. But, I mean, at that point, you talk for free because, bitch, you're going to be in jail for a long time if you're considered an accessory to this. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like, No. Immediately following the murders, Hickok and Smith fled to the Kansas City area, where Hickok wrote a series of bad checks. After they had overstayed their welcome in Kansas City, they decided to go to Mexico, where they should have stayed, but where they lived for a short time. (laughs) Just stay there. Yeah. This is when they, I mean, I'm glad they didn't stay there, but this is when they pawned the binoculars and hitchhiked their way through California on their way to Omaha, Nebraska. And they were just everywhere. Yeah. They were just traveling. Yeah. After a short stay in Omaha, they went to Iowa, where they stole a car and returned to the, and returned to the Kansas City area. Why would you return? Like, I'm glad they did. Dumb as fuck. I'm glad they did because they got caught. Obviously, you know, I'm assuming they got caught. But, like, why would you return? Yeah. A dumb criminal move. Yeah. From Kansas City, they eventually moved on to Florida and Nevada. So they were all over the fucking place. They were just traveling the U.S. and yeah. Mexico. Yeah. They were taking the whole yeah. tour. <laughs> yes. California. At least Sorry, Oregon wasn't in there. I'm not going to sing, guys. Sorry. Can't, Please can't afford it. don't sing. <laughs> okay. No, I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to laugh, you guys, at these cases. I just want to say this real quick because I feel bad. These cases are horrible and brutal. Mm-hmm. But I laugh because I'm uncomfortable and yeah. it freaks me out. It's That's a how co- we deal with our like it's a <laughs> issues. Coping, yes, it's a coping mechanism. And clearly I'm very sick because I keep being drawn to torture. But yes. that's why we keep laughing so much. <laughs> yes. I, I'm very uncomfortable with this. Yes. We laugh because we're uncomfortable. Yes. We don't laugh because it's funny. <laughs> no, there's nothing funny about this. And these people were truly pieces of shit. And I bet they would have really gotten along with the toolbox killers. I think they would have. Yeah, that's what we, I was thinking. They would have been a great foursome. Like, well, I mean, not, not great, great, but you know yeah. what I mean. Put that in quotations. I meant that sarcastically, guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they would have gotten along well, but not for good reason. Right, exactly. The police put out an arrest warrant for the bad checks that Hickok wrote. They even got a search warrant to, for his parents' house. So they searched Dang. Hickok's parents' house, yeah. During their search, they found a bloody shirt in Hickok's drawer and a 12-gauge shotgun in his closet. Oh, no. The Hickoks were apparently well-liked around their hometown till people started finding out about their son. Oh, no. Poor parents. I know. He was involved in a lot of petty theft for a while. His father would actually give store owners horses to pay his son's debt. Wow. Like, like sorry my son stole from you, but here's a horse. What a crazy thing to give. I know. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry he's telling from me. Have a horse. You know. Okay. He must have had a lot of fucking horses. He must have just a lot of money to buy a horse. Like, yeah. I'm confused. Something. It's a really random payment back. <laughs> right. They interviewed Hickok's ex-wife, Carol, who said that since he had been out of prison, he actually called the house once a week. However, the last contact she had with him was November 19th, two days before he was last spotted in the area. Hmm. Now, I don't have the date of this interview. I should have written it down. I'm sorry. But if you watch the documentary on Amazon Prime... um. It will not be on sponsored. There. Yeah, no, not sponsored. <laughs> it will be on there. But um, I will put the name of the documentary in the um, show notes because 
it's there's two different movies one of them is based on the book and one of them is the actual documentary that is um like, like interviews and interviews stuff. and it's more accurate more accurate i feel like i mean there's some controversy whether or not the book is accurate or not the family says no but the writer insists that it is well, that tells me it's not. Exactly. That's so. That's why I'm saying I feel like the documentary is more accurate. <laughs> that tells me it's not because I actually interviewed a family member for the documentary. Yeah. Unlike the other one. And the other one, I think he, I think for the book, he mainly interviewed um, Perry and Hickok. Yeah. That's not a good source. No, yeah. No offense to them, but they're not. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actually, all offense to them. Fuck them. Yeah. But And he actually got like close to them. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, and when and when these two like spoiler eventually pass away, like spoilers. Yeah, he was sad. He was sickened by it. He felt like he, he lost, sickens me. Then <laughs> he like he he felt like he lost two friends. Ew. Yeah. Ew. That man is ick. Yeah. That man I learned that, all the I ick. learned that in the documentary. <laughs> oh, so they covered that. Yeah, they put him in there. Oh, thank God. That that ew. <laughs> that gives me the ick. Yeah. That's so gross. Um, yeah, no, that's just, this just wild me. On December 18th, 1959, they interviewed the sister of Perry Edward Smith, Mrs. Dorothy Merchant. She said that she was afraid of her brother and had very little to do with him. Wow. She said that he was a lot like their father. Both didn't respect the rights of others or care how they lived. Wow. What great people. Yeah. <laughs> It was either on December 30th or December 31st, 1959, that Dewey and the KBI eventually caught up with them in Nevada. Local police had run the plates of the car they were driving and found it had already or it had been stolen in Iowa. So they arrested the two men for vehicle theft. This is when Alvin Dewey and the KBI had been notified that the two men who killed the Clutter family had been apprehended. Oh my god, these people are dumb. <laughs> yeah. These criminals are dumb. <laughs> yeah. In addition to still driving the stolen car, they also had in their possession the boot print that made the bloody print. Oh my god. Yeah. Once the once word got out that they had been captured, Dewey and three other KBI investigators flew to Nevada to get a confession from the two men. Good. Hickok tried to get a lesser charge by saying he never actually pulled the trigger. Oh, my God. And that he had no idea what was going on the entire time the family had been executed. Shut the fuck Yeah, like, he knew. You can hear the gunshot of a shotgun. Yeah. (laughs) He may not have um, wanted the killings initially, but he sure as hell didn't stop it, and he was right the fuck there. And he knew. That's a fucking lie. He was right there. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, like, with what... Meanwhile, while Hick was saying all this shit, I can't speak. <laughs> Meanwhile, while Hickok was saying all this stuff, Smith was claiming to know nothing about the family at all. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah, despite the police having proof that he was in the house. No kidding. Yeah. You're wearing the boot, my guy. <laughs> I know. Apparently, while Smith was in the car of one of the officers, the officer told him what Hickok had said in his interrogation. This upset Smith. Because he and Hickok had an agreement that if he had been caught, they wouldn't say anything. No, Hickok failed. I know. <laughs> Dumb criminals. So Smith agreed <laughs> to make an official statement. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
He said that he got an invitation from Hickok to come to Kansas and rob the clutters. An invitation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a formal event. Come one, come all. Yes. Smith came to Kansas by bus from Las Vegas on November 11th. Once he arrived in Kansas City, Smith said that Hickok was waiting for him. Sounds <laughs> ominous. Smith said that he stayed overnight in the small home of Hickok's parents' house in Edgerton, Kansas. On November 13th, he said that in the morning they put new tires on Hickok's car and left around lunch. That's a weirdly specific thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> they had, I think that like, maybe has something to do with the tire prints. Maybe, but. So, I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> that just implements him more. So weirdly specific but... thing to say. We changed the tires real quick. Got an oil change. <laughs> yeah. No. They had. They had with them Hickok's shotgun and hunting jacket full of shells. So they were ready to go. Oh my god. You don't just bring that casually. No. After the confessions, they were flown from Nevada to Garden City, where they stood trial in Finney County District Court for the murders. Sorry, that was a little mouthful. <laughs> there was a couple hundred people in the county courthouse, and emotions were high. Yeah. There were even a lot of people who couldn't get into the courtroom because of how packed it was. Every seat was taken and there was even people standing. And people outside. Yeah. That's wild. On March 29th, 1960, a jury of all men returned a verdict of guilty and they recommend the death penalty. For the next five years, they lived on death row at the federal prison in Leavenworth, Kansas, just north of Kansas City. Oh, man. During their incarceration, they would talk about their crimes in great detail to anyone who would listen, including people outside the prison. Ew. Yeah. One of Smith's ex-army friends said in an interview that Smith actually told him, quote, as I pulled the trigger, there was a flash of blue light. I could see his head split apart. Oh, my God. That's how I know it was a close range. Because you see the head split apart. I just feel like that's close range. That is. Definitely. Oh, my God. And that is horrific. And Hickok and Smith ate their... So, you know, he actually said that he felt nothing for the family. Seriously? That he felt nothing for Smith said that. Are you kidding? That's so gross. No, I'm not. Yeah. That's so gross. Yeah. He, got he the, shot yeah. a teenage. He shot two teenagers. Two teenagers. Feel nothing. Nothing. Seeing his head split apart, felt nothing. Oh, that man's sick. Yeah, that's so sick. Yeah, it's fucking awful. <sighs> Hickok and Smith ate their final meals in separate rooms with a chaplain sitting by. They had ordered. They both ordered the same thing, which is weird, from what I found. Oh, <laughs> they ordered spiced shrimp. French fries, garlic bread, ice cream, and strawberries with whipped cream. It's a weirdly specific meal. I know. That feels oddly like. Yeah. And also both of them were in the same exact thing. That's what I found. I only could find like their final meal was this. And so yeah. that tells me that they both ordered the same thing. That's super so, bizarre. I don't okay. know. Like Weirdly specific meal for two people. You know. Maybe that was like. One of them ordered certain parts and one of them ordered it. Maybe. But in my research, I found that they just lumped it all together. So it tells me that they ordered the same thing. It wouldn't shock me. Um, they were executed by hanging at the prison on April 14th, 1965. Hickok died at 12, 
8.41 a.m. and Smith at 1.19 a.m. Damn. The state paid for the burials, but Smith's would cost 250 less than Hickok's. Smith, an honorably discharged Korean War veteran, was entitled to a 250 veterans burial allowance. Yeah. They were buried at Mount Muncie Cemetery. As they waited for the trapdoor to spring beneath them, they both had chaplains pray over them. It sounded like Smith at least didn't want the prayers over him, but was giving them anyways. Yeah. Here are the oh, last no. words of Perry Edward Smith. You're I'm not going to like this, am I? No, you're not. Great. Okay. Quote. I think it is a hell of a thing that a life has to be taken in this manner. I say this especially because there's a great deal I could have offered society. I certainly think capital punishment is legally and morally wrong. Any apology for what I have done would be meaningless at this time. I don't have any animosities towards anyone involved in this matter. I think that is all. End quote. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. And I had to laugh. That's because who the fuck does he think he is? A great deal. Get off your fucking high horse, my guy. Great that he could have offered society. Are you fucking kidding me? You murder oh four people God. in cold blood. How about you just didn't murder people? Yeah. And you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Oh my God. I certainly think the way that you kill people was morally wrong. My God. Capital punishment is morally wrong as he's killing four people. I know. In cold blood murder. Oh my God. God. The last words of Hickok were, quote, no, I guess I don't. End quote. So I guess they asked him, like, if he had any last words. And he said, no. <laughs> but then he motioned for a KBI agent, Roy Church, who played a major role in the arrest of the two men to come where he was standing. Quote, you're sending me to a better place than this, end quote. And added that he did not bear any grudge against Church for his role in the case. And then shook his hand and said goodbye. That's odd. It's odd. So he just, I don't know, like, it seems like, he just had some serious mental brain damage. And not, excuse yeah. me, what he did. Yeah. By any means. But I don't know. They just. There's something going on in his head. Because yeah. that just is very odd. Like, last words. Yeah. It's like, you're sending me to a better place. Like, yeah. that's super bizarre. And shaking his hand. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. For real. Weirdest last words I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. The residents of Holcomb were, surpri- were surprised the house hadn't been torn down after the murders. The home passed through many owners over the years. Oh. And in 1990, the year I was born, shout out, <laughs> Leonard and Donna Matter bought the house. When they lived in the home, they claimed that they had constant tourists on their doorstep coming to look at the property. They even charged $5 per visitor and created a flourishing operation before it was closed down due to lack of business permits. <laughs> they just started charging. They just had like a bucket outside and be like... Five dollars and you can be here. <laughs> right, I know. It wasn't even like an actual I'm, business. I mean, why not? You have people gawking at your door. They won't stop anyway. I might as well charge them for it. Yeah, exactly. Make some money. <laughs> I mean, you have all that land to keep up with. Holy shit, yeah. you need the money. <laughs> 640 money. acres. <laughs> Although Holcomb has grown over the years to just over 2,000 residents, the murders still haunt the little town. The killers were caught within six weeks of the brutal murders, but by then... Holcomb residents' friendly approach had already changed, and the once unused locks on the front doors began to serve their purpose. Mm. This is one of those cases that just sticks with you. 
I always hate leaving my door unlocked, even when I even when I know someone's home because of cases like this. Yeah, I, I never leave my door unlocked. Yeah. I cannot imagine what this poor family went through and what their poor remaining children are still going through. Because you know something like this has to have just stuck with them over the years. Mm-hmm. This was another one that will just stick with me for sure. This one and the last one you did. Yeah. <laughs> that just traumatized me. Mm-hmm. So this is our little announcement. <sighs> Breathe for a second. Yeah. We made it. <laughs> deep breaths. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a deep breath. <laughs> I know. I've been saying, hey, let's take a moment and pause and remember why we're here. <laughs> That is over now, everybody. Yes. We have made it through. <laughs> okay. Deep breaths. This cake case. Not, not cake. <laughs> My <God>. cake. <laughs> We're eating cake. <laughs> yes. This case marks a little break from torture for me because I need a break mentally. So the next few cases. So I'm, do I. <laughs> yeah. The next few cases I'm thinking paranormal. Yes. Um, my next one will for sure be paranormal, but I don't know about the next one after that, but it will not be torture. I'm going to try really hard to find a case that's not tortured. <laughs> Veer away from that for a while. It's also spooky season. We gotta do a little, you know, paranormal. Yes. Maybe I'll do, ooh, maybe I'll do a haunting. Ooh, that'd be fun. Ooh, yes. Oh, yeah. And I'm doing the case next week. Yes. Jazz is doing a case. I'm, I'm so doing excited. Already doing one. <laughs> yes. I have time right now, so I have time to do one. Woo! <laughs> Wedding planning a little bit of a standstill, so I'm good <laughs> yes um to me like paranormal cases are a little bit more lightheaded headed so it'll be fun yeah i mean like hearted hearted i say headed you said headed <laughs> and i got very confused i think we're gonna get dizzy up in this bitch <laughs> i'm sorry guys we're getting hot <laughs> i am thrown off i'm just gonna blame it on the house <laughs> it's the house energy i know normally we're in a very like zen <laughs> I know. Office we have like room. incense burning. And right now we're just all like cattywampus. <laughs> we're on a couch. I know. Um, but no, paranormal cases are a little more like lighthearted, a little yeah. more fun to research. I mean, there's still sometimes, you know, sad things that happen, but it's not like torture. Yeah. No, and it would be fun for spooky season, like exactly. you said. Spooky season, my favorite season. I know, same. I'm, I'm so ready for fall. Me too. I'm so tired of walking my son to school <laughs> and having the heat beat down on me. I'm like, oh my God, can we like not with this? Well, all I own is sweaters, so I'm about to thrive. <laughs> so my whole wardrobe is sweaters. I know. <sighs> Man. Um, I, and I also want to say that if you have any stories you'd like to share about your paranormal experiences feel free to write in and we may feature them in a following episode. And nice. if you write in, make sure you let us know if you want your name on the podcast or not, because yes. we don't have to say your name, but we can if you want. Yes. If you want a shout out, let us know. Yeah. Just send it to the email, yes. which is in the description. Yes. Yeah. I'm pointing like you can see me. <laughs> yes. Point. Go down. <laughs> description. Yes. Um, and if you know you want also a shout out in the podcast, you could donate to our Patreon. Just throwing that out there if you love us enough. There's a um, Patreon. We also have an Instagram. Yes. Follow us. also. Yes. You can also DM. So I do look at the Instagram. Yes. And I would look. I would see a DM. Yes. And we're we're a little bit behind on posting about our last case on Instagram. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's my job. Yeah. No. I'm great at this, guys. Social media is my thing. We're both we're both learning here, okay? It's a learning yes. experience. I will post to Instagram tonight. Yes. So you guys will see before this case comes out. But we're, we were late, so we apologize. But I apologize that I can't speak English. So we're both doing great here. This is a great yeah. thing for us to do. Yes. 
anyways, we hope you were able to stick to the end of this case. We hope you keep listening and keep being safe. Please give us a like and follow if you liked today's episode. My sources for my sources and how to get a hold of us will be in the show notes. Yep. Thanks again for listening. Love y'all. Bye. Bye.